I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. We are best friends and dietitians. We have a goal of challenging nutrition misinformation and fitness trends with an evidence-based approach. Each episode, we will dish up our thoughts about the latest facts on a popular health-related topic. We're the Upbeat Dietitians. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the Upbeat Dietitians podcast. We wanted to let you know we're taking a quick four-week break um, before we go into season six. We are going to be revisiting for the next four weeks um, past favorite episodes that you guys have seemed to like a lot. So if you haven't listened to them yet, now's your chance. If you have listened to them, it's always good to revisit. Um, It may have been a while. They are going to be some throwbacks. So Hopefully that can be a good way to spark your memory. And then we'll be back with a brand new episode for season six on April 5th. In the meantime, besides listening to these episodes, we highly recommend going back and listening to old episodes that you might not have gotten around to. Additionally, make sure to rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And then we're getting back into the blogging game. So be sure to check out the upbeatdietitians.com where we'll be posting all new blogs throughout. And we'll see you back in April. Enjoy. Enjoy. See you in April. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Upbeat Dietitians podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the pod today. We have a very good episode. I'm very excited about this one. We're going to be talking about what's called the set point theory, which if you haven't heard of it, we're of course going to describe it more, but to kind of give you a brief synopsis so you know what you're getting into today. It's basically, again, we're going to get a lot more in detail, but it's the weight that your body is kind of like predetermined to be at. And it's kind of the reason why we think that diets don't work and why BMI is garbage and all of that. So that's kind of what it is. We're really going to get into more about what it is, why it's important to kind of find or, you know, be able to have that set point weight to rely on, um, how to tell if you're at your set point weight, and then also like how to get there if you're not there yet. So those are going to be kind of the big bullet points today. Um, but the reason why we're kind of getting into this is you guys know that we don't really subscribe to the whole idea of BMI or ideal body weight. We always say that like, there's no way that everybody who's five foot four is going to weigh the exact same. Like we're all diverse bodies are meant to be different, but a question that I get a lot, Emily, I'm sure you do too, is always like, what should our weight be then? And I hate answering that question. I'm always like, you don't have time for my talk on (laughs) what I think your weight (laughs) should be today. Cause it's definitely not whatever the BMI scale says or whatever it is based on your height and inches for ideal body weight. That's not it either. And so we're going to go over again, like how to kind of figure out what your weight maybe should be and spoiler. It's a range. It's also not like one hard number. Um, but yeah, that's what we got coming up today. I'm so excited for this episode. I feel like it's something that is slowly coming into the conversation a bit more, especially with dietitians and whatnot, but it's, I feel like it, it makes a lot of sense when you kind of think about the history of dieting and even like if you think about your own personal experiences and whatnot but yeah, yeah. it can be it can be scary because like it's we're taught to like always just like try to shrink our body but we're going to be telling you today to like trust your body and it's going to find the weight that it wants to be at if you you know nourish it properly and honor your hunger cues and ditch the diets and all of that um but again, that can be scary when you don't have that external control and you're relying only on those internal cues. Yeah. Especially so. when years of dieting can disrupt those cues. So you don't mm-hmm. even know what to rely on. And that's when, when working with a dietitian can be helpful exactly. or even like a therapist that can help you as well. Exactly. So. All right. Let's get into what set point, the set point theory is. So like I kind of already alluded to, it's a theory that our body has like a predetermined weight that it wants to be at. And no matter how hard we try to change it, like through dieting or whatever other crazy things we do to shrink our body, our biology is always going to fight us to get it, get it to that weight. Um, an example I saw when I was like researching, this was like thinking of like a, like a thermostat, like you have it set at 68 degrees 
and the weather or whatever is going to try to change it. Like there's going to be kind of other factors that influence that internal temperature in the house. Um, but the thermometer or your biology would be the alternative or the like comparison is always going to try to like fight to get it to that number. So that's why when we diet and we kind of put our body through like a semi-starvation, if not full out starvation, depending on the diet, our body thinks that food is going to be super duper scarce or that it is super scarce. And so it's going to preserve energy stores or body fat in most cases to protect us. And that is why our set point weight can kind of increase over time if you are kind of a chronic yo-yo dieter. And that kind of explains why chronic dieters often experience weight gain and why only 10% of dieters are only, or only 10% of dieters are able to maintain that weight loss for over a year, which yes. is a very scary statistic. Yes. This is something I actually bring up. I never really knew I was bringing up in the kind of the way of set point theater, weight theory, but I always try to like talk to you about how, when you go into a major caloric deficit, your body freaks out. Like it thinks you're dying. Yeah, it doesn't and know it if you're will, stranded in a desert or like yeah, trying it to doesn't lose weight. know you're trying to lose weight. It thinks you're like it's your last it's your last couple of days on this deserted island <laughs> and it you don't have a food source and it's like, oh my gosh, we must preserve all this energy to keep us alive for as long as possible. And that's why it's so difficult, especially with diets that have such a drastic caloric deficit when they're like a thousand, twelve hundred calories a day your body does not just drop weight. It's freaking out. And there's a biological response to that. It's not just your body's not just letting you not lose weight. I don't know if I just said not a lot, but you like, you know what I mean? <laughs> we know what you mean. And it's not that you won't even lose weight. Like you, you, you will lose weight at first when you go into this ridiculous, like deficit, but that's not going to be like body fat that you're losing, especially at first going to be water weight, muscle mass, maybe a little bit of body fat. But like Emily said, like your body sees that or feels that or however experiences it and it freaks out and then it starts to preserve from there. And that's why you cannot maintain those ridiculously low calorie diets for, I don't even know a time range to give because everyone's so different in how they respond to it, yeah. but not for very long. No, no. And then when you kind of go back to normal eating, it's like, oh, happy day. And then it like the weight comes all back because it's no Shoots longer up. in this high stress state of survival mode. Exactly. Exactly. That's why diets don't work. I think we had an episode with our friend Kayla, a dietitian, and she like really debunked like why diets don't work. And I think she brought up set point weight, but if you guys want to hear that episode, we should link it so they can. Yeah. It kind of goes more into of. like the whole dieting side of things. Yeah. Okay. So the set point weight is like, I kind of said a little bit too already is a range. It's not meant to be like exactly like 180 or whatever. Um, it can be a range and everyone's so different. And so I don't even want to like give like what the range could be, but it could be like a 10 to 20 pound range. Like I know I don't weigh myself, but I'm pretty sure my weight kind of fluctuates like at least like five pounds from day to oh, day sweet. without even like big lifestyle changes and like stress or being hungrier for a little while or whatever. And as females, especially after like it really dressed changes because we have our menstrual cycle, which yeah. we retain a ton of water, our BMR increases. So we have to eat more, but then mm -hmm. that all goes back down. Like, it's not like we get our period every month and we just like gain 10 pounds <laughs> every month for the rest of our lives. It just accumulates. Yeah. No, like, your body, your body adjusts. It regulates it. And that's what this whole thing is about. Like if we are at our set point weight, we can maintain that weight pretty effortlessly. Like I'm like, I think I've said it before in like the Noom episode when I talked about how, like I set a weight goal for Noom to be dramatic and how yeah. I was like, my weight has been the same for the last like five years or so. And I haven't been trying to make it stay what it's at. I just have gotten thankfully really, really great at listening to my cues and I eat when I'm hungry. I eat what I'm hungry for. That means I also actually surprisingly do crave things like vegetables and salads because yeah. I know that if I just ate brownies 24 seven, not only would that maybe lead to weight gain perhaps, but I also feel like garbage if I ate like that. And when you listen to your body, it really will. I know it sounds so cliche and like, well, whatever lady, your body will though. I promise you tell you what it needs. Yeah. It's something that is definitely not something that happens overnight where you can just yes. like suddenly decide I'm going to listen to my hunger cues. And then tomorrow you'll be cured. That's 
not how it works. It's going to take a lot of practice. It's going to take a lot of different probably type of exercises and being a lot more mindful of kind of when you're eating what stuff like that. But it will come in time because I'm the same exact way where my body knows what I haven't had a vegetable. And oh, me too. I, I do not feel good. I'm like, I need broccoli in me stat. Isn't it so <laughs> weird? It's like wild how that works. Yeah. I actually, and it also makes vegetables a lot more enjoyable. Yes. In my opinion. Like I, I also crave salads more in the summer. I think that's because of like the heat, yeah. but it, when you feel good and you also allow yourself to eat fun foods, like it's easy, it's a lot easier to balance kind of your food choices and make sure you are having a variety of both nutrient dense foods, as well as whatever fun foods you are that you like to enjoy because right. that's what kind of life's about is finding a balance of everything. It literally is. I know we say balance all the time, but it really is. And like, if you're not making yourself just like eat vegetables as punishment, they're not this like terrible yeah. thing. Yeah. You might actually find that you like some of them and they can be like a really tasty part of a meal and you don't feel like you're just eating because you have to eat it. Yeah. That's another huge part of it is the punishment part. Just like, yes. Did you eat your vegetables? You can't have dessert then if you didn't eat your vegetables. Right. Right. That's a big one. Like there are days I don't eat a veggie. And again, like I usually can feel it. My body is like, oh, we probably should get a little (laughs) extra tomorrow or else you're not going to feel very good. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to keep like emphasizing during this episode, like if you're like, yeah, there's no way I'm ever going to feel like that. I hope that you just like keep listening, know that you can. It's just like Emily said, it's not going to happen overnight. It takes a lot of time and practice and even help from an RD if you need it to. Mm -hmm learn how, because we'll kind of get to how to find the set point weight. But again, spoiler alert, it often, the first step is to stop dieting and like trust, put some faith in yourself and in your body and it will come from there. Yeah. And that's such a scary time too, when you do decide to stop dieting, because now you're kind of just putting the, all the power over into your body and your body's weight will change. Someone will. Yeah. Someone made, I'm forgetting who it was, someone on TikTok, they said it so well. And I was like, I want to share this on every single platform. But essentially they said, when you stop dieting, you're probably going to lose weight because like when you're, when you stop like being dehydrated and you drink water, your weight, you'll drink more water when you, what was the other idea? They said it so much more eloquently than I'm making it sound right now, but it was essentially like, different kind of life situations where, or like if you're choking and the first thing your body's going to do is want to get like more oxygen to your body. It's mm-hmm. going to overcompensate for that deprivation of whatever it is. And your body's going to adjust. So when you're a chronic diet or you've been severely restricting yourself for a long period of time, and you start to trust your body again, your weight will probably go up because your body's in this strong deficit and it's adjusting. It's trying to maintain what's going on and change itself. That doesn't mean that you're going to gain weight and continue to gain weight. It means Forever. that you're, yeah, it's yes. not just going to keep going up and up and up unless you just increase the amount of food you're eating every single day by drastic amounts. <laughs> right. Um, but your body's, your weight's going to change when you start trusting your body. And that's something that yes. is very scary, but it is also very important to get back in tune with those hunger cues and those fullness cues and just trusting your body again. And this is another segue. So apologies. We're going to get off track for a second, but <laughs> this often comes up when like we talk about intuitive eating in general, but everyone's like, okay, if I start intuitive eating, should I expect like weight loss or weight gain or what's going to happen? We don't know. No one knows. That's the scary part. I will say of intuitive eating is like, if you have this fixation on changing your weight, manipulate, manipulating your weight, jumping into intuitive eating and not having that control over the number on the scale anymore is very scary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when you start to ditch the diets and adopt intuitive eating and like, again, build that trust, you might gain weight. You might lose weight. Some yeah. people maintain their weight. Um, 
I have clients who have done all three, not like individually, like they didn't like gain and lose and maintain. <laughs> just like, oh like my God. some that lose, some that maintain, some that gain. Yeah. And I will say a lot of them do get a little nervous with the weight gain because they're still in that diet mindset a little bit. So we got to keep like as a dietitian, it's my job to keep reminding them. It's okay. We're focused on these health promoting behaviors. Like you're doing all these great things. You have less stress in your life now because food's not a control over you. You know, you're getting more activity because you actually want to do it. So again, that's kind of a little sidebar, but when you do ditch the diets and maybe you do want to do intuitive eating, like I keep saying the scale's going to do what the scale going to do. Yeah. And it's not a reflection of you getting better, your health getting better or worse. Yes. It's just a reflection of your body adjusting to yeah. this drastic change because going from on a diet or going on a diet to off a diet is huge. Like there's a lot going on that not only from like a physical standpoint, but also the mental standpoint and mental. the weight is just, it's going to exactly like it's going to do what it wants to do at that time. And right. I've also seen it go every single way where either this is actually, I could say from personal experience when, which both situations are a bit abnormal, but I would say when I started developing more intuitive eating habits at first, I gained a lot of weight, but that was because I was severely underweight. And then a little bit of time, like I lost my hunger cues and whatnot. And then when I started re-implementing them, I actually ended up losing weight. And it wasn't that I referred it was reflected in the scale that I knew what my weight was changing. It was how kind of like clothes are fitting and energy levels. And it's a lot about being just kind of being aware of how your body's changing. Yeah. And I don't know if I actually had a point to this, but I was essentially can go. Um, I was like your client that went that your clients that actually experienced all three. <laughs> and that's true. At first you will obviously not experience all three because that'd be crazy. But like over time, like you might gain weight at first and then you might kind of adjust and your support might can lower. Yeah. It, it can change. Yeah. And that's Which I feel a like good, is a good segue. I was just gonna say it's a good segue into our next point. So your yes. set point weight will change. And Emily and I always say this. Oh my gosh. You are not meant to weigh what you weighed in high school. If you are a 40 year old female listening to this podcast, stop making that your goal weight. You were a child. You were 18 years old. And if you were like me or maybe Emily, you played multiple sports year round. You were constantly running. You were a child. You were growing to like your, like your needs were completely different. You no longer have to kind of optimize your bone mineral density you no longer have to your brain doesn't have to grow like develop anymore it's very different now especially even like in the your 20s I feel like that's something also where I've had a lot of discussions with patients and clients that they're they're like mid or upper 20s and they're like I want to weigh how much I weighed in high school I'm like you're completely different you're in a completely different not only portion of life, but also your body's needs are completely different and that's okay. But we should kind of understand that I don't want to be the same weight I was like however many years ago. And also why? Let's unpack this. Let's unpack this. Why high school is that our like goal weight? What about high school was like high school sucks. Why do you want to go back to that? <laughs> Everyone's yeah. so mean. I, yes. <laughs> but also like, if you want to go for a lower weight, I'm not saying this. I'm not from <laughs> no perspective in my life. <laughs> this, but like you weighed less in middle school. You weighed less in elementary school. Why, right. Why not have a goal of like, like where we're at? I want to weigh what I weighed in fourth grade. <laughs> like that makes more sense to me from a diet culture standpoint. Like, aren't we always going all or nothing in diet culture? <laughs> Let's just go down to when we were an actual like toddler at this point. I was like two feet we're, tall. <laughs> we're eating like toddlers. We might as well like weigh what toddlers weigh. Hey, yo. But, but yeah, essentially your set point weight changes no matter like depending where you are in life. And also when you're like 65 years old, your set point weight is going to be completely different too as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to point out too, for the females listening, whether you like it or not, I don't think everyone 
as a woman needs to bring kids into this world. I don't even think that I want to bring kids, kids into this world, but when you become like twenties or thirties, like your body thinks that you're going to bring some kids into this world. And so let's get ready. Let's get ready. Let's put some meat on those bones. Like we've got to like support another child's life. So that's also a pretty, I think valid reason why your weight's (laughs) going to be different than it was when you were in 11th grade. (laughs) Your body's in its like fertilization era. (laughs) It's like, we're ready to reproduce. Let's go. Like whether you like it or not, whether (laughs) you think you're going to bring kids or not, your body thinks you are. Yeah. But I think this also kind of also leads into our next point, which we've already touched on a bit is set point range. Your set point weight range is not just static. It's not just one thing. And as we kind of noted that your set point weight will change depending on the kind of age you're at, it'll also change depending on your genetics, your lifestyle, your biological makeup the environment and all these other factors, because if you have to, if you've been around for a bit, you know, that genetics plays a huge, huge part in body type. Like it's kind of one of the biggest influencers over what you will look like. And that also plays over into kind of the set point range as well. And there's an example with genetics and hand, let me know if I'm going to completely screw this up. But essentially, there are so many different breeds of dogs in the world with all these different genetic makeups, but we are not going to discriminate St. Bernard's for not being as small as Chihuahuas. Great. So like, why would we discriminate someone who lives in a larger body naturally for not looking like some naturally thinner person? Like we're all humans just like all dogs are dogs. We don't make dogs like try to conform to these like little Chihuahua standards that they're meant to be in a St. Bernard body. Yeah. I know it's different because we're humans. We're more complex than dogs, but <laughs> it gets the point across. Like our genetics are a really big determinant yeah. of what our weight's going to be. Yeah. And then also lifestyle, like Emily kind of already touched on, that's obviously going to play a big role too. Like not only does like our dieting history play a huge role, like kind of already touched on if you're a chronic dieter, that can lead to those like yo-yo weights, but stress, depression, having like a super busy lifestyle, whatever that can like biologically affect our hormones, our hunger hormones, making us either want to eat more, it can suppress our appetite and make us not eat enough. And then we end up binge eating in the evenings. It can have all these different effects on our hormones as well. So that can also play a role on the set point weight, obviously crazy it's not just calories in calories out oh oh but just do a calorie deficit if you want to lose weight if you want to get back to your fourth grade weight (laughs) just do a calorie deficit bro just take some creatine get a calorie deficit spend four hours in the gym yeah because we all have the same 24 hours in a day i'm a 19 year old bro with no kid or lifestyle i can do it's my full-time job to be in the gym but we all have the same 24 hours that's my current rage, like point. If you <laughs> haven't noticed, my like social it's media content. Like the last three episodes. I can't stand it. If I hear the word calorie deficit one more time, <laughs> I know it's like an actual like thermodynamic process. Right, process. <laughs> like there is science behind it, but, like but... the way that it's used. Okay, it's like um, it's like the calorie deficit is the cauliflower of the fitness oh. industry. Like it's abuse and it does not want to be it involved anymore be. leave it alone it's just trying to like be taught in like your metabolism classes it's not meant to like be this like thing that you just like shoving people in larger bodies faces all the time calorie deficit calorie deficit oh okay um so that's that's the gist of it that's what the set point weight theory is bottom line if you ask me what your set point weight is, I could not tell you. You're the only one who knows is your body. And obviously it can't tell you either. So like, there's no real way to know, <laughs> yeah. but what I always tell like clients and patients is like, I know it sounds so vague and I always hate to hear it, but like, you'll kind of know it when you get there. Just like, I kind of know where I'm at now is where I'm probably going to be for this phase of my life. Like we said, it might change when I get into my forties, fifties, sixties, but right now I think I'm at my weight set point weight but I don't know for sure. And that's okay. I have faith in my body that it's cool where it's at. 
So cool. let's go so. into why you want to find your set point weight, why we think it's so important. Um, we've kind of already touched on this a little bit, but the biggest thing is if you are at your set point weight, so like Emily and I, we think we're at our set point weights. We don't have to diet ever again. Like we don't have to try to manipulate our weight. We have just full confidence that we are at the weight we're meant to be at. And that's like a really freeing feeling. Yes. Yes. Our weights don't like drastically fluctuate. Like I'm not going to gain 50 pounds this year unless I do like have kids for whatever reason. Ugh, be terrible. <laughs> um, but like my weight's probably going to stay the same for a long time. And even like, as I do age and my set point maybe does shift, I am probably not going to ever weigh like 50 or 60 or 70 pounds more than I do now, even if it does ever change or the other way, I might, I probably won't ever like weigh like 90 pounds either, at least not intentionally. If I got like really sick, which that would suck. That's it. But anyway, <laughs> that's another thing. So that's another reason why, like you can eat what you eat. Like I can eat a donut. I can have a day with no veggies. I can eat, you know, foods that aren't the most nutritious 24 seven. And I'm not worried about, like I was at work today and I heard someone in the lobby say, oh, if I even smell chocolate, I gain eight pounds. First of all, no, you don't. That's bull crap. Second of all, though, I get where she's coming from and her weight might fluctuate pretty drastically because she's probably not at her set point weight. Whereas I can have chocolate pretty regularly if I want it, if my body tells me it wants to eat it, I don't have to worry about weight gain or weight loss or whatever with that. Diet culture is always telling us that we need to change our weight. We need to have that control over it. You know, if you're not in a small body, you should really be striving for that. That should be your goal. You should be in a calorie deficit, but we know when we try to manipulate our weight, when we try to have that external control over it, it always backfires. You end up with a poor relationship with food. The weight just yo-yos, it goes up and down. So focusing your energy elsewhere is going to be very beneficial. Shifting your focus from that weight, which is not a behavior. I always talk about this too. Your weight is not a behavior. It's an outcome of your behaviors. So if you're focusing on healthy behaviors, like eating fruits and veggies, most days, getting plenty of water, getting protein at each meal, moving your body in joyful ways, your weight is going to reflect that and be at the healthy set point that it needs to be. I like how you put that. It's not, it's not a behavior. It is an outcome yeah. of behaviors. Exactly. Not, and that's not even weight loss. Like your changes in weight, that is the yeah. outcome. Or if there are no changes in weight, that's also the outcome. Exactly. Exactly. So, let's get into kind of how, because you're probably wondering now, Emily, Hannah, you keep, you won't tell me what my set point weight is. <laughs> how? We do made I you know listen for I... 30 minutes first. <laughs> like, what the heck? Get to it. So now is the time <laughs> to learn about how you you've can made tell. it this far. You've earned it. <laughs> yeah. If you could tell if you're in your set point weight. So, like we talked about, that first kind of putting faith in your body is so scary and trusting your body not to freak out. It's something that we've all been taught by diet culture that we always need to make ourselves as small as physically possible, no matter what. So when we are no longer controlling what we're eating as much, like in a sense of like, like obviously you're controlling what you're eating because um, you are micromanaging your body. But like when you're like, yes, micromanaging kind of what you're eating and whatnot, it can be very scary because we not, might not know how many like calories are in whatever we're eating, or we might not know if we're in a caloric deficit, or we might not know if we're a caloric surplus. Like we don't know what's going on and that can be very scary, but it's kind of the first step in accepting your set point weight wherever that is. Maybe your weight won't change. Maybe it will change. It's the unknown is always very scary, especially when it's something around weight that we've been taught to fixate on so much and makes <laughs> shadow diet culture for that. But yeah, take that leap of, leap of faith. Yeah. And it doesn't need to, doesn't need to be also made a huge deal. You can just like be right. like, I'm just going to listen to my body tomorrow or like, right. Take it one day at a time. That's a yeah. good point too. Like, don't feel like 
you have to like, go on this, like grand adventure <laughs> like that have to be like a whole thing <laughs> tomorrow like tomorrow just like maybe try eating when you're hungry like yeah we always say this too like being anti-diet and anti-diet culture does not mean that we're anti-health obviously yeah. we want you to still think about your nutrition choices and not just eat you know just cookies or whatever 24 7 you can if you want you wouldn't feel yeah. very good um but yeah that's such a good point too emily like take it day by day you don't like you're not it's fixing not like anything you're like never it's like the rest of your life i'm out of control it's yeah. no we can cut you can go as slow as you need to you can start when you feel you're feeling comfortable or good or even if you have like someone there for accountability that could like support you yeah um, you know yourself best you know what works for you but that is just the first step so yeah Let's talk about though, how we know if you're probably not at your set weight, because that way you can kind of think of the opposite. So number one, if you're a restrictive eater, or we have a couple questions for you to do. This is some good self-reflection time. So if you're someone that you know that you restrict quite often, we want yourself, you, we want you to ask yourself right now, is it hard for you to recognize your hunger and fullness cues? Take a minute. <laughs> we might need a pause between questions because I'm probably going to go through these pretty quickly. That's okay. But the next one will be, do you eat past fullness often? Feeling stuffed at the end? Are, are you feeling stuffed at the end of the meal? Do you go through periods of restricting food and then eating in excess? Do you often skip meals and then find yourself having one meal where you continually eat past fullness? Do you want, do you eat to cope with emotions like stress, anxiety, or boredom? Are you always bouncing back and forth between diets or plans to lose weight or to be healthy, quote unquote? Do you feel like you're always thinking about food and obsessing over it? Do you plan your meals days in advance to ensure you've been good, quote unquote, with your eating habits? Has your period stopped or become very light or irregular? That's a big one. Do you find yourself over-exercising to burn off, quote unquote, what you've eaten? And then our last question today is, do you feel like you've lost all hunger and fullness cues? Yeah. If you answered yes or something of the type to multiple of these, you're probably restricting yourself a bit too much. And that means you're probably not at your set point weight. That's a good sign that you are not if you are like restricting in general. We ask these questions to kind of help you think and rationalize, first of all, if you are a restrictive eater, because if you are, you're probably not at your set point weight. So like we said, a few ways to kind of get to it. Let's get into that. This is our last section. Then we'll get into our bonus question. Yes. So how to get to your set point weight if you answered yes to any of those questions or have another reason why you're not at your set point weight. Um, you guys probably guessed this. <laughs> Stop dieting. <laughs> you guys probably already knew that. Again, it's scary. It's a leap of faith. It is nerve wracking to not have a diet or any kind of rules to be able to follow. Um, but the calorie counting, the point counting, trying to earn your food through exercise, using your Fitbit or your Apple watch to track your calories and your calories burned, and then only eating whatever you've earned through that. Like those are again, just like external cues are not actually like you trusting your body. And also they're not even like accurate, like calorie counting is not even accurate. I always talk about this too. Like, first of all, we don't know, unless you're like going into a lab and getting like your BMR checked every day, you don't know what your calorie needs are. And then he's going to bark again. You can hear him building it up. <laughs> <laughs> he's boofing. <laughs> and then in terms of like calorie counting, those apps, like the margin of like error can be like way off. Phineas, I'm trying to talk about calories. <laughs> no calorie counting for no you. Calorie. <laughs> um, I forget what the actual like range is, but the FDA, like or USDA, I forget who manages this, allows like a range of error, like on food labels. And oh yeah. Like, all those rounding oh, yeah. rules yeah, too. Yeah. 
like the calories think, you see on a food label are not accurate. I think it's FDA. I think you're right. I always forget who's who. No, but like, yeah, every single kind of component, almost every single, I'm not going to say every because <laughs> we do not make ultimatums here. Yes. Almost every single section of the nutrition food label has some area where there's area for air. Also, you can round things, which that, exactly. we should there's do an episode rules. on that. Like there's all these rounding rules on the calorie uh, the nutrition labels, especially when it's like zero calories or zero when it's not actually yeah but yeah it's not always yeah. accurate that's why like micromanaging that is just a waste of your time because it's probably not even right so the next way you can get to your set weight is not to weigh yourself if the numbers influence your food choices and this is an external piece of information. This is not, an, it doesn't tell you what's going on internally. You need to trust kind of what's going on because if you're someone that this, I feel like this happens so often where someone will weigh themselves and then it'll affect the mood for the rest of the day. They'll be like, wow, I was an eighth of a pound up or whatever it is. I gained weight. So now I'm going to severely restrict myself because I gained weight or though their weight would have gone down and they're like, Oh, I've been really good. I can have a cookie or I don't even know if they do that, but like you get the gist where essentially weight, this like data, this one point of data is affecting so much of not only your mood, but also your food choices. We got to stop doing that. And kind of the best way to do that is either weigh yourself less frequently, like Sometimes I recommend like once a week at most. <laughs> I typically recommend like once every two or three weeks. And then if it's something that you feel almost like, I can only think of one word, it's not the word. I'm thinking of seduced. I don't think that's the right word, but like <laughs> you feel like, oh, it's there. I, I want it. I need to know. Put it drawn to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's much better. There we go. <laughs> The way is the scale is seducing you. It's trying to ruin your day. Put it like, away. Don't with it, a hammer. Like, don't give it that much power. It does not yeah. deserve that much power over your life. Like it's, it's a, a little, machine. as Brendan said way back when, it's a little dumb robot. It's a robot. <laughs> Screw the robots. Yeah. You could take out, you could end that scale. You could take out the battery and then it had nothing to say to you. What's going to do about it? <laughs> yeah, literally throw it away. It's not serving you at all. Ugh. I just like, now I'm in this place with food and I'm very thankful to be here. I'm like, why would I weigh myself? What does that tell me? I will admit like, I've had moments of weakness. I probably weigh myself like three times a, month, a year. And it's like times when I like, feel really good about my body and I'm like yeah I've been exercising I feel like really good physically in my clothes I'm like I wonder what my weight is and I I always know going in I'm like Emily this <laughs> this is going to impact you a lot more than you want it to and luckily I only do it like three times a year but yeah you bounce like back nothing quickly. nothing good comes out of that like like exactly <laughs> Like, what does that do? It doesn't help anybody. No. It... Why are scales a thing? Why do they matter? I'm getting really upset about this all of a sudden. What's the point? There's so many other ways you can tell how we're doing. That's like the least interesting and least important measurement of success. I just realized how dumb they are. I mean, they're important. The only times I'll say they're important are when in like children, like True. when you're like zero to like probably five, that's like one of the most important times. And then like pregnancy. Okay. To yeah. Make sure you're gaining so weight. So for growth. Anytime there's growth involved. <laughs> but if the, if the goal, even if you are intentionally trying to lose weight, like say you have a pretty big weight loss goal, what is getting on the scale going to do for you? You can probably tell by how you feel, how your clothes fit your labs, how you're doing with your food choices, whether you get weight or not ever. Yeah. Even if your girl is weight loss, you don't need to weigh yourself. 
oh, I just realized how dumb scales are. I always knew it. I've talked about it a million times, but it just yeah. like overcame me like a wave all of a sudden. <laughs> They're so stupid. Like I'm thinking like right now, if I were to get on a scale, what would that tell me? It would tell me nothing. It doesn't know what I've like, what choices I've been making for the past like six months or however long I have gone without weighing. Yeah. Ugh, it doesn't okay. tell me my body composition. That's all no. I really, that's what I care about a lot more. Me too. And even like that, you obviously can't like look at your body and know for sure, but like I can get a it's pretty much good more idea. interesting. Yeah. In my mind. Ugh. Yeah, it is. Okay. Anyway, a couple Itch more. The scale. Fish the scale. That's stupid. It. I just got really upset about that. Just <laughs> <laughs> like thinking about myself personally. I was like, again, like if no. I got on that right now, what? What would you what? do? Like, what would you do with that information? Right. It would tell like, me or... nothing. It like does not, it doesn't dictate what's going to happen in the future. And it has not affected any of my previous choices thankfully anyway okay um I can't wait to go over this one it's a scale or a tool I use all the time with my clients and it's called the hunger scale so if you have a really hard time assessing like am I hungry am I full I just don't have those cues anymore because I've been ignoring them for so long because I've been doing diets trying to treat my body um, a really good like visual tool can be what's called the hunger scale and essentially all it is is a scale of one to ten. And I can often get, get on this like long-winded description of it. And I might as well give it to you guys. Here we go. Getting the <laughs> buckle yourself help in. with Hannah approach for free today. Um, it's a scale of one to 10. And it's essentially saying that we don't want to get to either side of the spectrum because what happens if we get to like a one or a two, and that would be in terms of hunger, that's going to be you feeling super duper hungry. It's like ravenous. You're going to pass out. Like you're just starving. And what happens if we get to that point is we kind of like lose all rationale. We aren't able to like really think about like what sounds good. What do we need in this moment? Our body is just like looking for a very quick source of fuel. And so it's going to want whatever is like right in front of it. And we also are going to have a really hard time stopping when we're full. And so that leads to us getting to like the eight, nine, 10 category or territory in terms of fullness. And, you know, that's like just feeling like way too full, you're uncomfortable, kind of feel like not good. And what happens if we get to that point is we're so full that we may not eat for a while, whether it's like intentional, like we're restricting because we feel so guilty for eating that much, or it's unintentional, like we just don't feel hungry because we got too full. And then we're just like back and forth in that pendulum. Like you go from a one or a two all the way over to eight, nine, 10, just back and forth all the time. And so you just like pretty much always feel like crap. So the goal is to kind of find that middle ground of like a three to a seven is what I often talk about. So in terms of like a hunger goal, like a three. So that's like a feeling of, yeah, I'm feeling pretty hungry. It's time to eat. What should I start thinking about to grab? Do I have a meal planned? If not, what should I make? That kind of thing. And then we want to eat very mindfully, eat slowly, eat with no distractions, which is, I guess, our next point. Um, but so that you only get to like a seven in terms of fullness. And actually I define seven as like a feeling of like satisfaction, not even really fullness. Um, it's a feeling of like, yeah, I feel pretty good. I definitely could eat more. And if I did, I shouldn't feel guilty about it, but I probably wouldn't feel very good. Just like physically, um, just a little bit uncomfortable, that kind of stuff. So if we can, for the most part, stay in that three or seven range, we are most likely to not only balance our weight and kind of reach that set point weight, but that will allow us to eat when we're hungry, stop when we're full and just kind of build that trust. Yeah. And it's something that also like figuring out what the numbers on the scale feel like takes a lot of practice too, because I can personally tell when I'm like nearing that like eight or nine, I'm like a couple more bites and I'm going to be out. (laughs) And, um, it's something that like takes a lot of practice and a lot of like kind of mindful eating and also intuitive eating will help you kind of gauge those feelings. It's not something you're just going to know off the bat. Like, Oh, I'm a three, I'm a nine right now. Like (laughs) it's going to take time. I just do a lot of these things and you just kind of have to learn to trust your body again. That's like the theme exactly. of today. Stop it literally and trust your body. Trust your body, even though you feel like you can't or shouldn't. It is only 
quote unquote disobeying you because you haven't been trusting it this whole time. It's like rebelling. You're on the same team. You're not yeah. fighting. Like your body is not the enemy. If you support it, it will support you. Yeah. So Hannah already kind of talked about the next point and how to get your point weight, but eating mindfully so you can pay attention to those hunger and satiety cues is crucial. And this is something, especially with how busy today's society is, especially with technology, it's very easy to eat mindlessly. So in order to eat mindfully, we want to remove those distractions. So like using your phone, scrolling through social media, answering emails, or like watching TV where you're zoned in and paying attention to the TV and not really engaging at all. Like you're almost like you're mindlessly eating and you're not really gauging in my full, in my, what's going on? Or you're just, you're more in tune with kind of the TV and then also working while eating. That can be a huge distractor as well. I struggle with that one. We all like just work at our desks while we eat. We I usually like, like talk and like, we'll like turn our chairs away from our computer to like talk in our little circle, but like we still like work while we eat and it's not a good thing. The good talking. thing is exactly, which is our next point. So our next one is to assess your food choices without judgment. Think of everything as like a learning opportunity. Like if you do eat while you're at work on your computer typing away and you notice that you overeat, don't like get mad at yourself and say, I'm a failure for doing that. What have I done? Just like kind of recognize and reflect like, oh, that makes sense. I was distracted. It makes sense that I overate because I couldn't assess my fullness. And then think about how you can do better next time. Like, can I step away from my computer and go eat somewhere else? So I don't have that distraction there to kind of tempt me. Um, can I take lunch a little bit earlier or later so that I don't have to worry about catching up on whatever the task is? So it's about assessing again without judgment and just thinking about what happened and how you can maybe make that choice different next time. Yeah. That's, a, that's another really important thing is not beating yourself up. Like, yeah, it's not like a competition. You're not really like, helping yourself when yeah. you beat yourself up. You're only hurting yourself. And we're all, we're on team help yourself in any way and heal yourself and get yourself through this. You don't want to, we're always our, we're our hardest. We are words. We are our toughest critic. Yeah. And I always tell people like, would you feel comfortable saying what you're saying to yourself right now to like your loved ones or like your best friend or like your significant other? Or even like your your pet, would you feel comfortable saying Aww. that to them? If probably not, I hope not. Like treat yourself with the same grace you'd give to those ones around you. Little finners. Yeah. You would Look not tell so- Fin. He's so cute. You would not tell Phineas like Finn. You overeat today. I like- would fight anyone who told him that. <laughs> yeah, actually, I always joke, and I'm like kind of serious. Finn's like an amazing intuitive eater. Like we've talked about this. Yes, we have. He's amazing. I don't think you guys have heard about it. Maybe you have. I don't know. I'm going to tell you anyway. When <laughs> we first got him on here on the podcast, I don't think we have either. Mm-hmm. When we first got him, um, he was from a shelter. So he probably didn't have that trust with food. He wasn't sure what his next meal was going to be all the time. Um, and so he would always like eat like right away when we fed him. But since he's like lived with us and he like knows his schedule, he knows he's always going to get food every day. He knows like morning and night, he gets X amount. He like, doesn't eat if he's not hungry. Like he'll only eat his breakfast when he's hungry for his breakfast. And like, sometimes his breakfast will last till dinner and he'll have like a late breakfast. And then if I even like feed him again, just to like, let him know it's still that time. I'm going to feed you. He like either will eat it or he won't. Like, he's just like really in tune with his body's hunger cues. And I'm just like so proud to be his We can mom. all learn from Phineas. <laughs> it's so amazing. I'm like, of course you're my son. I just love that. <laughs> I've raised a little intuitive eating dog. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's definitely, I'm not going to cry. He's so cute. Oh my God. I'm obsessed with him. I could never have children because I would not be able to ever get anything done. I just, my heart's too big for my things. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's that point weight. We hope you guys at least like take it and digest it and think about it. And don't feel like you have to like make all these life changes tomorrow and 
if you do have like a dependence on the scale or adjusting your weight or whatever. Again, take it slow, day at a time. It can be really scary to make that leap, but yeah, just know this theory is out there. And we didn't even say this either. This is a theory, you know, like that's yeah. another scary part is like, we don't know exactly how this works and influences your body or whatever, but I don't really know how they would. So I guess it's why it's a theory because everyone's set point weight is so different and it's so dynamic and complex and fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, take that for what it is, I guess. I don't really have much to say besides it's a theory. Yeah. It's very subjective. Yeah. Especially to the person, but a lot of things also make a lot of sense. So that's kind of why we incorporate into our practices. Right. So let's get into our bonus question of today. I'm so excited. Me too. This is I don't think we've ever talked about this before or anything like this. This is like a different style. We yeah, it's we not even do. food related. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it could be depending on your answer. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but yeah. So today's bonus question is what is your favorite scent? Annie, <sighs> you can start because I already know uh, you're not gonna have one answer. <laughs> I don't have an answer. <laughs> it depends. Um I will say I have some go-tos. So like, I'm a big fan of like essential oils. I have like a whole thing, like right here, of like different ones. Not because I think they like detox you or heal you of your ailments, but they just smell nice. And I'm not afraid of them like burning down my house like a candle would. I love candles, but I'm terrified they're going to like burn down my house. So I don't use them very often. I have anxiety. Um, so I would say my, one of my favorites is like eucalyptus. I love that lavender love that I often do a eucalyptus lavender and like a mint mixture smells amazing but I recently learned that eucalyptus is like not good for dogs so I try not to do it very often especially if fins around so I don't do that one very much but I do love eucalyptus um and also anything like citrusy I love the smell of too just smells nice and clean but I also love like those like candles that smell like Mrs. Claus's cookies like I love the smell of like vanilla and like sweet cinnamony so basically all good smells I like honestly (laughs) yeah I don't know I can't pinpoint it but you guys knew that already coming into this yeah those are all really good smells especially the combination sounds really good I did not know eucalyptus was not good for dogs I know it kind of stinks I need to ask a vet for sure but I've been playing it safe and just like not diffusing it around him that's smart yeah Okay. What are, well, you probably have, do you have an answer? Or is like, an answer. Of course. This is why yeah. you're the backbone of the podcast. My favorite scent is vanilla bean. I mm. am absolutely basic. I do not care at all. I will, I have, for reference, I have warm vanilla sugar Ooh. lotion. I have a warm vanilla sugar hand sanitizer I also have oh my gosh wait I have to share this this is so stupid (laughs) but I have to share this um but I I my fan I come from a family of sensitive smellers (laughs) Ross is one of those yes and like my sister she listens to this she's gonna you know what Lizzie (laughs) you're fine but she's like thrown up from the smell of like apple cider vinegar uh, apple cider donuts what the vinegar i kind of was like no, no oh, not the, the donuts and like my mom like they both hate candle scents like with a pack i've never seen them hate anything like more than like any of those like strongly like even like lush something like that yeah and i feel bad because i like sometimes use perfume they can tell they can t- <laughs> like i don't put a lot on but I'll use it in my bathroom. I even close the door now to like try to keep it in. Waft they know. It. They know. They're like it's throughout the entire house. <laughs> Emily. And I'm like, I didn't. So I like develops partially that I hate strong scented smells. Like Me I, need, it needs to be subtle, or else I like will probably I won't vomit. But like I get a headache. Yeah, I will feel nauseous. Emily. 
But the thing yeah. I wanted to share, I had this all nicely organized. I'm going to mess it up for you guys. Aww. Anyone watching on YouTube, prepare yourself. This is... Oh, boy. I, I have a reputation now at work that I love hand sanitizers and scents. So for Secret Santa, my coworkers got me all these hand sanitizers, but now they just find some around the house and they just give it to me. So I have 11. Oh, look at these. No one needs 11 hand sanitizers. I can't sanitizer. even hold them <laughs> But there's so many different scents. That's true. I remember in college, you like always had the Germex that I needed. Yeah, like, I always, I have a hand sanitizer in every single bag. Like yeah. I, I could always count on you for that yeah i am my mom was like do you give off like germophobic vibes i'm like no i just no. like hand sanitize yeah i was say i wouldn't get that from you um but yeah overall vanilla is my go-to i currently found this really nice champagne apple body wash from bath and body works it is incredible Ooh. i would recommend very subtle um, it was kind of wild because I was not getting normal vanilla, but yeah, or I'll, I'll do vanilla or some, any pumpkin alteration. That's when I of like course. thrive at Bath and Body Works when there's all the pumpkin things, and all the vanilla things during Christmas time, like, Ooh, like fall. Yes. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the vanilla bean Noel? In Christmas? Oh, I love that one. Me too. I love that one. That's like my, I always think of that. I think of vanilla bean. Yes. That one's really nice. Yes. It's always good. I like want to eat it. It smells so good. <laughs> Hannah, you can't eat the vanilla bean Noel. <laughs> it's like on the office. Hope someone gets this. You can't eat the cats, Kevin. <laughs> Since I don't like. Ooh. I know this is not the answer, but I do not like alcohol flavored scents. They make those. They make, and Bobby's going to listen to this and get mad at me because I got him a bourbon scented body wash. Well, I, I don't. I don't want to contradict you, but you did just say you got a champagne apple body <laughs> wash. That was really nice. That's true. That's true. Okay. I don't like Certain any kinds. other alcohol scented. Um, they're just like, I don't like, they don't smell. They're too much. They are. Too I, can, much. I can see that. Um, I don't know if I have like a least favorite besides the obvious, like now I just, poop and vomit. I don't think they're going to make those like oh we're talking like candles okay <laughs> That's um, they do as like pranks you can get them at, like spencer's <laughs> um i think it's like super just like, to clarify <laughs> to clarify emily also does not love the smell of like poop and vomit but <gasps> um i'm trying to think of like like my like essential oils i have here Tea tree, I like it, but in large doses, it's too much. Mm. I don't know. I just know if I went to like Bath and Body Works, I would not like half the smells. Just because they're like too strong. Yeah. What are your thoughts on like back in the day, like Hollister and Abercrombie, like going into one of those? <laughs> my, sister give you PTSD. my sister could not go into those. She could never. No, she would have to stay outside. I could brave it, but it was, what were they on? Like, were they just, and like, it was so dark. So <gasps> Axe. I hate Axe. That's what oh. I, that's a, that's a scent I hate. It gives I me like, back like middle school vibes, yes. like middle school boy vibes, sprays it in the hallway and then you're yes. gagging. I like the smell of a, like a nice smelling man. <laughs> like in general, I like cologne and the smell of it, but it really depends on like what kind and if the degree I can smell you like from how much? like 15 feet away you have too much on. oh my gosh remember like in middle school the, the I can even tell just... it at like work like if I like walk past someone I'm like <laughs> no <laughs> if you're listening and not watching Emily and I are making really bad faces <laughs> and wincing yeah, yeah. but Okay. Vanilla well, I guess and citrus, in my opinion, you said citrus, so I love those citrus. Are easy ones to go towards, and those are food, so it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> we like food. Everyone. We like food. If you yeah. can tell, yeah. Cool. Let's <laughs> finish this episode <laughs> so people can get on with their lives. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still here, we really appreciate that. <laughs> 
So we thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Uppy Dietitians podcast. Of course, thank you for sticking around for this long and listening to us get off track constantly. But we hope you learned a lot about set point weight today. It's something that is, or at least set point theory, it's something that is becoming, it's being brought up a lot more in the conversation and is really important in my opinion to kind of think about at least like give it some critical thought at least you don't have to like jump into it but you don't have to love it it might explain a lot of kind of what you've been dealing with for a while or even just now but yeah we appreciate you and we will see you next week see (laughs) you next week y'all all right bye bye Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of The Upbeat Dietitians with your host, Emily Krause and Hannah Thompson. We appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at The Upbeat Dietitians. Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.